So today I am interviewing Lei, and we have a lot of things we could talk about, you know, he's big into the strategy games, likes Rising Storm 2, a lot of good game taste, also has played a decent lot of classes, bit of a coffee enthusiast, I've heard, but uh, go and introduce yourself, yeah. Sup, I, uh, I've been in this game for a while, since season 22, UGC, it's like, uh, was that five years at this point, five and a half years, I'd say. Uh, I've played a decent amount of stuff, but most people know me as being a med main. Uh, right now I'm playing Engineer in Advanced, uh, trying to win on it, and probably try to play med again next season. I've also played a decent amount of Scout. Yeah, those are my three main classes. Played Mostly played a lot of Highlander, uh, way too much. And uh, I, I played a lot of other games, too. If you look at my Steam, I have a lot of hours and other stuff. Not really relevant, but yeah. I've tried to mentor a lot, especially lately, trying to help people in the game and try to understand it better myself. Yeah, it's the main stuff, is play a lot of Doctor and Highlander in general. Hmm. Okay. So, um, how do you sort like? What did you kind of, what got you into the game on a casual level at first? Casual level, I saw the Meet the Team videos. Oh uh, yeah, I think most people like when they were like twelve or ten saw them and thought, "Damn, this shit looks crazy." That was basically me. Uh, I originally got my like first non awful laptop, like a real computer. I think when I was twelve, and uh, I wanted it so I could play modded Minecraft at not fifteen FPS. And I wanted to like make a friend of all my friends. Not Jesus. I wanted to make a server with all my friends in middle school so we could play modded Minecraft. Uh, and uh, but it turns out that I didn't know that Steam existed, so I installed it because I think my friend wanted me to play Undertale. It was all right when I played it, but I remember that TF2 is a game that exists. I played that. I didn't play it, but uh, I remember seeing it when I was like ten. Thought this shit's cool as hell. So I installed it, and uh, unfortunately, that's been my top game ever since that day when I was 12 years old. So, yeah. Okay. That's definitely fair. It's a regrettable life choice, huh? Yes, this game has been a massive waste of, of time, and it has been largely at the expense of you know, various social skills, hmm. uh, job opportunities, social opportunities. Overall, uh, a big waste of time. And it's probably very sad that I'm still playing it, but you know, I can't go back at this point. And, like, what keeps you going, right? Is it just, like, the uh, um, sunken cost fallacy or something It's like a that? very... Kind of a sunk cost. I'm, I mostly just enjoy playing the game. I've gone, like, emo a few times and, like, stopped playing it for, like, a season or two. Uh, I might do that again. I probably will do that again, but it's very hard to actually quit the game completely. Because it's just, I think TF2, fundamentally speaking, is a very good game. Like, when it comes to the skill level that you can reach, it is really high, and there's always new shit to do, and there's always stuff to improve on. Because, I don't know, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty, uh, I still have a lot of stuff to do, even though I've been playing this game for about 7,000 hours now, and for almost six years. So, there's always a lot of stuff to learn from it and improve on. Because there's so much stuff to play on it. There's so many maps. There's so many formats. There's so many classes. 
it's like a raw aim for each of them. It's pretty hard to perfect, I think. So that's the main reason why is I just play it because there's so much stuff I can still get better on in it. It's not really something you get with other stuff. The main reason I play comp is just because I enjoy being able to get a basically the same thing, but on a more serious level. I just like being able to improve at something consistently, especially if I already enjoy it. All right. So yeah, it's the main reason I still play. So what was sort of like the no point of no return for you that like ended up leading to so many opportunities where it's like you missed out on real life things? Uh, probably when I first started playing Highlander, honestly. Hmm, okay. I kind of exaggerated the, the real life thing, but I'd probably actually say like around when COVID hit, I unfortunately have been playing this game a lot more than when, uh, uh, than before it hit. At that point, I just have been playing the game all the time, especially this summer specifically, even though there's <laughs> no disease. But, so yeah, i probably say since COVID is when I've been playing the game significantly more than before when I've been playing Highlander, so. Hmm. Right. Would you say, like, it's something that you just sort of, like, got kind of, like, used to being reliant on, just sort of as a way to normalize things to kind of get through COVID? Through COVID? I just play video games all day through COVID. Hmm. And is that something that you're, like, finding yourself kind of having difficulty breaking away from at the moment? Yeah, right now, but although I'm not I'm not in school, I'm not really, ha I don't have, like, a real concrete job. I do have one, it's just I don't really work at it that often. So I don't really, I don't really have any other hobbies besides playing video games. So yeah, it's kind of hard. If I don't really have anything to have to do. Hmm. Okay. And like, what sort are your plan to get away from that? Like, it sounds like you're gonna go emo. I'm going and back to school in like two weeks. So it's oh. kind of something that's gonna make me have to focus on it. What uh, are you uh, studying? I'm an econ major right now. I'm in my second year, but it's basically my third because I got a lot of credits from high school. Hmm, I see. Yeah. LFT banker? Maybe. I go to <laughs> law school, might get a master's, I don't know. I'm basically going for free right now, because, uh, I don't know, the, my, the awful state of California decided to give me a scholarship, so I don't have to really work, which is probably bad in the long term, but, who knows. Yeah. It's definitely interesting just to talk to people about it. It's like so many people are kind of like aware of how much time they're investing and the sort of impact it has onto their life. But then it's just like a lot of the time they don't really do that much about it. You know what I mean? It's just like they just keep yeah. complaining. Yeah, I, that's what I do. It's probably very unhealthy, but oh well. Yeah, I think you would uh, be looking at pugs for the peak example of that for sure. Yeah, I play that. I, I, think, I think it's it's crucial that a lot of people try to limit their their pug like not just tf2 but i think pug specifically at least in highlander i feel like they make you play and act like a much stupider person in tf2 if that makes any sense uh you say act like why would that be just, i i feel like uh they just make you play unseriously and make you get really angry because here's the thing I've noticed in a lot of pug groups, and it's been a recurring issue, I think, for a lot of uh, newer players, is the best players in the pugs usually play with their teammates and their friends, which is, like, not bad, obviously. But here's something that a lot of people do, including me, probably pretty bad, is uh, I tend to get very, very loud and angry when I'm playing with my friends, and I like to troll my friends very often when I'm playing against them also. Uh, and when... 
like invite players like raging pugs when there's like noobs in the mix, like newcomer amateur I am players in them. Uh, it often like subconsciously incentivizes them to rage a ton, and basically you just have a bunch of people who rage a lot and play in really stupid ways. That's what they see in pugs, and that's their only real practice outside of uh, playing in scrims and stuff. I really feel like like the death of TF2 Center has been really bad for newer players, I think, in this game. So, <laughs> hmm. uh, what do you think potential solutions would be? Definitely solutions. solutions. I don't. Really, I don't know. I, I, I think that the map test pugs are are very good right now, but that's mostly because they're enforced people to try hard, and that's because the the skill level of them is enforced to be really high because it's obviously gate kept to where it's supposed to be high advanced plus players because they want to test maps and also they do not let people troll in them right. so and i don't think it's going to happen in almost every pub group so no. i think uh people are much more inclined to respect the potential of rgl swinging the hammer than just like you know like, a random they, they, group they'll straight up ban people if they're acting really really stupid so right they're gonna respect RGL a lot more than just like so, random people, yeah. Yeah, I've I've pugged way too much this summer, and it's definitely made me act stupider when it comes to TF2. So I think that a lot of people should just limit it, at least if they have the ability to, just try to separate how they act and play in pugs from their actual like official and scrims. So you think it uh bleeds into scrims as well? Yes, I think it definitely does if you do it too much. Hmm. Okay. So that's, that's something I've started to notice, and it's why I need to stop doing it now. Right. So it's just like, there's and kind it's of. probably doesn't apply to everyone, but I've noticed personally. There's like a certain lack of self control there, kind of, yeah? Yeah. Fortunately. <laughs> I see. Schrodinger's pug. Basically. We have no, we now sound smarter for throwing that term in there for no reason. Yeah, intellectuals. Okay. Yeah, I, I, when you talk about like a like a family Uber stuff like that, that makes you feel smarter. Shortingers can apply that too. <laughs> of course, of course. So, um, from an administrative level, like how do you how do you kind of like run a good group? Ugh, I haven't really ran pugs in like three years, so. And uh, I, I don't really, I, it's kind of hard to quantify how good they were, because a lot of this stuff when people talk about how, like, oh, HL pugs were so good when they ran, now pugs are a dark age. I feel like people have, like, a like a rose-tinted glasses kind of viewpoint of, like, it being a lot better in the past, because things are not perfect right now in the present. I, I, I think it's hard to administrate a pug group, especially if you're friends with a lot of people in the community, so that makes it obviously harder to uh, be strict when it comes to enforcing rules. Because that's ultimately the thing that these pub groups come down to, is people don't enforce stuff that often. So, it's like, I understand why, but it makes it very difficult to administrate a pub group if you have to not enforce the rules too hard. Stuff I've noticed. I haven't really ran them in a while, so... Kind of hard to say how you would do it best. Uh, yeah. So it's like a bit of a lose-lose situation there, though. Yeah, it's exhausting to run them, I think. And 
you don't really learn too much out of it. It's just something I've, I think at least, right, it's very difficult. Okay, yeah, it definitely just seems like the sort of thing that like just draws you eye, or no matter what, like what sort of thing you do, you know, it's like you're either yeah, not doing enough, you're greeted with the, you're doing too much the gaming community when you do it. So, <laughs> damn, but fine. Pugs just be hitting differently. Yeah, they're very difficult to run, I think. I I really think that unless you are very committed to enforcing stuff, which will make a lot of people very unhappy, which obviously will make you not want to do it, that makes sense. It's going to be hard to get them to be competitive and serious. So, Well, I think the other part of it, right, is if they're not happy, you know, it's just like you can't really have a group. Like you have yeah, to strike a balance. angry, and you can't really have a group because this community is relatively small. So there's only so many people you can not allow for not abiding by the guidelines. So it's very difficult, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's like if you go a little bit too far, you just egg on like so many more people. Yeah, but uh. I guess that's kind of the diff between like an RGL RAM group and other groups, because you know it's with RGL, it's just like you know whatever you're banned. <laughs> you... They'll literally ban you. They're they're, they're the league, so they don't really yeah. care if you're just something I noticed. Bit of a support system difference. I would I would diagnose. Yeah. Okay. And do you think that RGL pugs, whenever they come out, or like these larger pug programs, like do you think those could potentially be a solution here or not really? I don't, I don't really think so, because you you run into the other problem where there's a huge like mix of uh of player skill levels, which will just lead to some really unbalanced stuff sometimes, which is fine obviously, but that's just something I've noticed in that way. So right. I, I think that when it comes to like the environment of people trolling or not, it's better, but still, I think it's plot in other ways. Right, so, there's like only so much you can do. Uh, I think you have to go into certain expectations when you play pugs in this game. So, if you just do that, then I don't think it'll be as bad. So, What sort of expectations would you say there could be? Probably just not take it too seriously when you do. Like I said, try to separate how you approach it from your actual serious scrims and stuff. Because right. that's a problem I've had. Be problematic if you don't through your, your team, and, that, and that's ultimately the only people who really matter is your team if you have one. When it comes to stuff like your gameplay and how you act, not always obviously, but that those are the most important people to approach. So if something's wrong with your gameplay and they tell you, then that's what is going to be the decisive fact, not what other people think usually. Right. So. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you think there is like benefit to just having like smaller groups that kind of just like only include people from like your own sort of like friend group or so, or do you think it's just like it's too hard to kind of get those off? Um, I yeah. think in-house pugs are good if you get the enough people to run them, but I think with Highlander because it's nine v nine, it's more difficult to get that. Uh, I think it's a lot easier if, like sixes to get in-house pugs, but because it's only six v six, but. Highlander and House Pugs are really hard to do just because of how big the teams are. And that means you have to get a lot more people 
So, right. I, I think in-house plugs are good if you get enough people to do it because everyone's like friends of each other. They usually aren't the most serious, obviously, but that's usually fine. So, I don't think in-house plugs are really applicable to Highlander, though. So, hmm. okay. That's definitely fair. How about just like plugs with like a smaller skill range, just sort of like knowing a core ba uh, player base and trying to cater to that? Would that I think be that's, well? Yeah, I, th I think plugs like that are like specifically like mid mid to high advanced and above, or like uh, anything below main are are good in their goals, which is to get people of the similar skill level to play and improve against each other. I think that's better because it's not so unbalanced to where people are. There's just people who can't really do much because they're playing against like six invite players and they're like I am stuff like that. I think is definitely unfun for people involved in it. So I think right. that is effective to make groups that specifically allow only those people. But usually, if a group's big enough and they don't have fat kid rules, they'll just uh, have the captains pick the the best players available, which is going to be like invite players, etc. Uh, how do you feel about fat kid rules? Uh, I I don't know. I I usually like to think that it. I understand why because it's kind of dumb if you have to like wait a pug or two or even longer just to be able to play at all. But I, I think in the end, fat kid rules are kind of stupid because it makes it so that players that aren't that great have to play which unbalances teams, and I think overall it's bad for them because they're playing against, like, seven invite players, and they're, like, main, for example. So I don't think I'm the best voice on this because I'm not exactly... I'm, I'm someone who would probably get fat-kitted in, in, like, really serious pugs, but that's just what I think. Hmm. So. Okay. And then this would probably be the last pug-related question I have. How overall, like, how effective do you feel like they are as a tool for networking? Networking, they're, they're yeah. good for networking if you uh, talk to the right people. But hmm. I, I, right I people. feel like if you want to, if you want to get recognized, just play well in your scrims and officials hmm. and make friends of people on your team. If you can try to move up with people, sometimes it's obviously hard. But yeah, they can be effective for networking if you know how to do it right, or if you're good enough at a specific class. So, so. you mentioned the right people, though. Nah. Could you further elaborate on that? I don't really care to you right now. I'm kind of sick of talking about the pugs. Fair enough. Real. Let's move on. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, what class did you start off playing at? Like, when you just got Engineer. into the game? I, uh, well, when I first started playing TF2, or I first started playing comp? Uh, first started TF2, and then we'll get to comp in a little bit. I remember, I, I, thought, I thought WM1, like, Backburner Pyro, was, like, the, the sickest thing ever when I was a kid. So, yeah, that's what I played a ton. <laughs> I respect it. Yeah, that's uh, that's something I did a lot when I was very young. Is I just played WN one backburner pyro on like quick play. Uh, when I when I, like the first like year and a half, two years of me pubbing before I started playing HL, I just played whatever. I think I like playing a lot of demo man, and I'm terrible at demo man, so that's weird. Okay. But yeah, backburner pyro. But when I first started playing HL, played engineer in, in steel. On the Extreme Dream meme team, never forget. Uh, it was it was interesting. I'll say that. Then I played Scout for two seasons, one in Steel, one in Silver. Uh, then I played Med for a bit, and then I did my first of many going emo slash quitting for a bit. Uh, and then I played Med again 
then engineer, then med, then med. Then I trolled in like off class for a season in Maine for some dumb reason. Uh, then med, then med, then I quit again, then med, uh, then I subbed, and now I'm on engineer. That's basically the history of my uh, Highlander crap. Hmm. So okay, and what sort of like inspired you to compare initially? Like, what was the sort of method? How did you get into it? Kind of right. I watched like. Like I fifty, I forgot which I fifty it was, but that was one of them. I think uh, I thought that was really sick when I watched that when I was like thirteen. Uh, kind of like the idea of playing in a game at a very high level. Uh, since I just like started playing video games, I thought like Minecraft speedruns. I forgot what they were called. They were like the I'm stupid. This stuff I watched <laughs> when I was like eleven, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not I'm not a professional in this stuff, unfortunately. So. Mm. No, that's fair. But um, was it something you sort of like did with a group of friends, or did you like just go LFT? Uh, like, what was HL, the HL? I just went LFT. Yeah, I just went LFT. None of my friends. Uh, I don't really make any friends as a pubber, and none mm-hmm. of my IRL friends uh, play TF2. So, all right. How about from the early days? Like, did you end up sticking around with most of the people? Like, did that? Did you make long term? No, friendship? I don't. I have to. I don't think I talked to anyone from like my first three seasons I played with anymore. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you said it was Engineer that you got into initially, yes? I first started playing Engineer my first season. And why did you choose Engineer? It seemed easy to be able to play. Uh, I was confident on it, I guess. Hmm. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like the main reasons why. Uh, how about Scout for two seasons afterwards? What kind of led to, what led to that change? Um, I think I... I think I played sixes for a bit, and I've enjoyed playing scout in that. So I haven't played nearly as much sixes as HL. I'd like to play more of it. It's just kind of hard to because I don't know as many people in sixes, so it's hard to get on a team. A lot of my friends from like Highlander don't have the time to play it, so it's hard to make a team with them. So right, okay. Then you said medic after that, right? So I have played a, a lot of medic. That's my Probably, yeah, that's what my main and what most people know I play. So. How, what led to you getting into Medic? I, 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 what was it? When HLPugs.tf were first a thing, uh, I added up because I wanted to play uh, TF2 outside of like streams and matches, and it seemed more serious in like TF2 Center. Uh, here's the thing in that, then that what I remember is that if you're like a new player, you're obviously not going to be picked on stuff that there's a ton of other people trying to play. No one really wanted to play Medic that often, obviously. So I did it just for, just because I wanted to play it all and like an invite plug. It turns out I wasn't actually that terrible at it. So, so it's like, I, a, sorry, no, go on. What were you gonna say? Sorry. I was gonna say. So it sounds like like a lot of it was just sort of like ease of convenience, like kind of getting into the game more, just finding out a little bit about your interests. But then a lot of it just kind of like filling in the gaps, right? Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I have a lot of stuff I need to work on in the medic class, hmm. which I plan to do next season, but yeah, that's the main thing. Is right. I basically was... It, I, I played it at a high level and didn't be terrible on it, so... Right. Okay. And then, act, and then I went to, like, actually invest time into uh, the parts of it that are more as just, like, a surface plug level, so... What do you see, like, that early time, just kind of trying to, like, fill in the gaps and doing that switching? Like, was that something that defined a lot of your strengths and weaknesses as a player for a while? No, I don't think so. Because, okay. uh, 
I, I didn't really get as angry back then when I was like younger. I, I have a bigger problem with that probably now than I did when I was like 13. So that's probably my biggest weakness as a player. I got the dog shit mental. So what sort of led to that change? If you would want to talk about it. Uh, let me think. Probably related to the thing that I was talking about earlier is how you get exposed around other players that are better than you and they act a certain way. You subconsciously start doing that. I used to be a lot more quiet in this game when it came to like my mental, but I've, hmm. I've, I've gotten a lot more loud and angry. I'd probably say it since, uh, fucking money thing. Probably like season 25 is when I, I started the downward spiral. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. It's like, especially like they're high dev players, like you're supposed to kind of look up to them within the community. Well, it's like right? a subconscious kind of thing, and it happens now too. Right. So, okay. That might be a reason why. I don't know. There probably wasn't like some like arc or like sudden transformation, is probably a gradual thing. So, so, what do you think like is something you could sort of do to like fight against that? Like, is there anything you can consciously do, like to try and fight against it, like be outspoken against it or you something? Uh, if you, and push the push a top key is important here because if you have it in a right. super convenient place, you can still be a retard with it, as I've seen many times. Well, uh, I'm more interested in like preventing that, right? Like, is there any way to really do that besides just not involving yourself in those sorts of situations, or not really? Don't play TF2 that often. Uh, limit your limit how much you play the game, and you won't get as angry. You'll have a better mental, and you'll be more committed to stuff that's important, which is usually winning officials, right? Okay. Learning from trends. So that, that's probably the most effective thing I've I've like noticed. So right. It's just, so try to like touch grass more often. I know that's like a meme, but like actually, I think that can apply to thinking you not have get as tilted. So. Do you think that's something that had a huge impact on people during quarantine, like maybe not really being able to invest that free time otherwise, and then just like worsening might've. their mentals a lot, spending so much have. time on pugs? Yeah, I probably did. So it's not just pugs. If you're just like, right, not of course. doing a ton during your average day, you're probably going to be more, uh, what do you call it, like averse to being angry. No, I'd agree. But do you think like that was something that's like have had lasting impact on things going forward, or do you think that was more just like a temporary sort of thing that meant like people have for a lot of effects? people it was temporary. Uh, I think for some other people it was it, it, like permanently affected them. For mm -hmm. me, I'd probably say it's like permanently. Although right. I'm trying to gradually get better at it, so I think I'm better than like two seasons ago or like a year ago. But there's still a right. lot of work that needs to be done. So. Like that's kind of why you'd say something like "don't play too much pugs," right? Like it is something yeah, that sort of happened. Yeah, I think it's something that definitely has made it worse for me personally. That's not going to apply to everyone because right. personal experience isn't everything. But talking about me, that's something I've noticed. So. I appreciate you being upfront about that. I think that's something that like yeah. some people like would benefit from hearing for sure. Yeah, like it could be yeah. hard to take a step back and realize the sort of effect it's having, for sure. Yeah, sometimes you just have to like step back and like try to listen to the people that matter and listen to what they have to say. So, <laughs> and like, if you're, if like the people you play with and you win officials with tell you something, it's going to be a lot more important than the people that you play pugs with. So people should just keep that in mind sometimes when it comes to like feedback. I guess like the, so. the thing that kind of bothers me is like in specific, like it's like people will give feedback in pugs, but then it's usually like, so unconstructive, right? It'll just be them yeah. yelling like "diff" or like "what is this player doing over and yeah, over?" Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't. It's just a usually right. 
when you, I feel like when a lot of people have that much time in a, in the game, they're not really incentivized to play them to improve their individual skill, which is fine, obviously. It's like a pub, for example, at a certain point where no one really tries it in a pub to improve their individual skill, obviously. Because if you have like 10,000 hours plus in this game, there's only so much shit you're going to learn on like X class. So, right. Uh, I guess, Mike, another question I sort of have, like, yeah, at, before we move on from this sort of topic, like, do you think it's something that, like, sort of influences the social development for, like, less mature, younger players, like, involving yeah. themselves in the pugs? Yeah. Obviously, I, I said this earlier how uh, people get, will get more loud and angry if, uh, subconsciously. That's what a lot oh, of no. I was being like players. outside of the game in specific, like, or were you kind of meaning that earlier as well? Like, it would sort of bleed into the rest of your life. Uh, it can only bleed into the rest of your life if you like are really terminally online. So, <laughs> not to name names. Yeah, got it, got it. Yeah, All right, that makes sense. Uh, I appreciate hearing it. Okay, let's uh, move on to some better topics, though, for sure. I think we've kind of had that one run its course. Yeah. Okay, so um, what's sort of playing all those different classes, right? Like, what's something that sort of helped you understand? Like, what strength has it kind of given you as a player? Uh, oh man, I, I think playing med is probably giving me the most insight into like the, how to, the game mode as a whole. The other two classes are more specific to like what your role is, but playing a medic has definitely opened it up to how to play the game properly, if that makes sense, in Highlander, I'd say. So, proper positions, uh, the proper mindset to improving, and the proper mindset to how to approach stuff like officials on, none of which I am perfect at by like any stretch of the, of the word, but I think as like a general set of rules, it will give you the foundations on how to approach Highlander most effectively. So. Okay. That definitely makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of like a common sentiment I feel like I've heard from talking to other people about it. Uh, yep. So, you're playing on, like, a, what led to you playing NG this season, actually? Uh, I did not want to play Medic. Uh, my, I'm friends with my, everyone on my team right now. And, uh, what is it? Uh, and that, I, that basically, that's why. I, I didn't want to play Medic. And my team need an engineer, and I'm friends with everyone on the team. So yeah, that's basically the re those okay. are the three reasons why I decided to play engineer this season. So, uh, how about for like next season and future seasons? Like where are you I am probably going to have to play medic for the next few seasons, is my guess. At least on my team next season, I know I'm probably going to play med. So what makes you say that? Uh, at the invite level, which is what my team wants to do next season, it is a lot harder to find a medic that works well with your team than a engineer that can work well with your team especially for my team specifically uh we have a very interesting way of playing and i think it'd be difficult to find a medic player that would suit that so that's basically the reason why and i also think i'm probably better at it once i am able to uh be rust at that class than engineer so i think there's a lot of stuff that's left to be desired on that and and there's a lot of stuff that's left to be desired on all of my gameplay as a whole. I'm kind of very disappointed in a lot of my uh, results in Highlander as a player. So, hmm. okay, that's fair. And it can be kind of rough mentally, but 
it's always good to kind of be striving to improve some things. Yeah, just yeah. don't want to be too self-critical. Okay. Yeah, sometimes a, a problem I've had, but it helps you get better if you don't do it in excess. Right. So, how's the season going for you? Having a lot of fun. Uh, my team, we all, most of us care. Actually, I'd say all of us. I'd say, I don't know why I'm acting ridiculous on it. Basically, all of us care a lot on improving, which is something I have not had in a long time for a Highlander team. Uh, we all are friends with each other, I'd say, broadly speaking. Uh, and it's it's been a lot of fun because I've learned how to play around my team a lot more this season than around myself, if that makes any sense. It does, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. How does it compare to uh, the dojo? Dojo. Uh, yeah, like uh, the season oh they man. won advance. Well, like, it's looking like that could maybe the dojo, happen again. Um, the dojo season of advance where we uh, rolled the division was kind of what one would call Mickey Mouse season. So... Which basically means uh, it's a free season for you to win. I did not really have to review much that season. I did not really have to evaluate my own gameplay much that season. And overall, it was kind of a joke. This season, on, this, on my team, I've actually had to review a lot, both my own gameplay and like with my team. Other people have had to review a lot. It's not a free season this season of Advanced. And right. I think that's the key difference. And that's overall made it a lot more enjoyable. Because I feel like it's a lot more earned when I win. Right. The dojo was... Just rolling, and I definitely laid a bad foundation for the next season we had in invite. Uh, so, bit infamous, one may think. No, so. Oh yeah, do you have anything to like sort of say about that? Like any. I wish that season did not happen, and if I did, had to go back on it. There was a lot of stuff I would have changed, both as an individual player and as a leader. But you know, okay. it happened. It's in the past, so. Right, no I think well on it. Anymore. I think that's kind of something you'd prefer to keep to yourself for sure. Yeah, that is a, a, a quite okay. a shameful season, but hey, sorry to hear that. The best of us. Ah, uh, and that okay. I see you did play season nine, uh, season ten. You were on Home Depot. Uh, yeah, I, I. What was that? I think Luigi? I, I was like mostly done with Highlander, but I came hmm. back to it because Luigi asked me to ring a bunch. I said, I'm not rostering any team. Do you just want me to sub for you guys? And they gave me the sub spot, and it turned out their medic couldn't main uh, like halfway into the season. So I was like, I, I guess I can play. I have to work on Saturdays, so I can barely make those. But yeah, I can play. Hmm. So okay. yeah. And then season 11 was kind of you like starting season to get fully back into sub. it? Oh. Season 11 is when I reevaluated uh, my, my like role and my mental in this game. So. Right. And I think it was very valuable because uh, I had something bad happen in the preseason of that season to where I didn't main anymore on the on the team I was on. Sorry to hear. And then I just decided to sub and play. I played IM sixes with a uh, not very good team on medic, but what it taught me was to how to react to adversity in the game and how to evaluate my mental. And I think it was very helpful in that regard. So. Right. It basically, was a season that let me take a step back and evaluate how I behave and how my mental is in this game, and that's something I think I really needed in season eleven. So, right, that's like the sort of thing that could really kind of like turn your career around as a player. Just take a step back yeah. like that. Hmm. Okay. Let me focus on the stuff that's important. Do you Even think if it was did not go well, I learned a lot. So. 
you think that's something that like other people would benefit from doing more of? Like, do you think if that's kind get of to, like a certain point that's that bad? Then yeah, I think it's good to take a step back and play with at like a level with mm. people who might not be the best, but they care right. and fundamentally do the right things, which is just show up and not make their teammates' life a living hell. So, uh, do you think that's something you end up seeing though, or do people kind of just like end up like continuously throwing their head against the grinder and burning themselves out? I think some people do that. I think sometimes other people do that. They reevaluate what they do for a given amount of time. But yeah. Mm, right. And then this is all sort of like coming full circle this season, like a lot of personal improvement, a lot of pride and action. Yeah, a lot of the, a lot of this season has been me just grinding a lot of the game and trying to focus on what I need to do fundamentally to be a good player in the right. game, which has mostly been just playing the game, talking to my teammates, seeing what they want, and reviewing demos, both my own and gameplay of better players. If I I've been doing that a lot, and I think it gives me it's going to give me a decent foundation for next season. And that's ultimately what I care about is being right. a good player in the game, and at the very least, placing an invite at some point before I completely stop playing this game. Because I really hope I'm not like uh, I'm not in my like mid twenties or like the age of 30 and still playing team fortress 2 so if i can like place an invite before that period then i think that is my mission accomplished i don't really have to do much more i feel like i feel like i will be fulfilled in this game once i reach that point so right it's good to kind of have like a stopping point when you feel like you've kind of yeah. like reached your limit if yeah. yeah that doesn't mean like i need to completely stop that's it that's like the end goal and that's like the ideal right. like minimum i think okay to reach that point so, do you think like your teams winning events move up next season? Yeah, that's the plan. Hmm. I'd like oh. to. It's tough. I like I like playing with my team. Uh, they're all my friends, basically, and that's something I haven't had in a while on a team. I'd say three years it's been since I've had that as like a as a bunch of teammates. So right, okay. So you have that often, and it's like. The, the division you know it's like it's actually going to be like somewhat fulfilling emotionally well, yeah, it's, it, it's yeah it's not a mickey it's not a mickey mouse season like it was last time i i got the grand finals mm. in advance so i feel right. like this season the other two top teams which are worst comp format and uh the, the imposters are not people that are horrible they they know what they're doing and i think that it means that you have to actually put in effort to grind to learn from your mistakes uh, and just play together as a team and play to win. It's not like where you can just jerk your gherkin uh, the entire season because it's free because all the other teams are that terrible. So, so uh, why do you see like so many like kind of like sandbag or like teams that just try and like form with the intent of winning a div in lower divs? Then like sandbag teams. Yeah, uh, like if it's so like emotionally unfulfilling, if it's just like a Mickey Mouse season, why do you see like people sometimes try and do that still? They're bored. They want to play with their friends. They don't really want to try that hard. Like, mm, okay. Like, could you give me an example, or is that too rat? Uh, I'm not really looking to go into examples. That's fine. But, but like, uh, yeah, if people do that, then they mostly just don't really want to try. Or if they're off-classing, they just want to like get better on that specific class, which is like, right. fine. So. Like, I think off-classing is pretty reasonable, yeah. But then it's just like, I don't know. You'll just see like these super teams just try and form, and they're like, you know, we want to roll this div, and it's just like, oh, I don't know, it's a bit weird to me. 
Yeah, well, here, here's something that people should recognize when they make quote-unquote super teams, is if you don't have a main medic, demo, or sniper, it's not going to be a super team. That team's <laughs> either going to die or it's going to go terrible. So people should, uh, people should remember that. If you don't have a, me a main medic, demo, and sniper when you make a team, then that team is is not going to do so well most of the time. So Especially in, like, in divs below invite, for example. So if you're to make a team in like main or advanced, you don't have a main medic, demo, slash sniper, Things might not go so well for you. So just all those prospective team leaders out there, remember that. Hmm, right. Okay. I mean, it's like just uh, you who is like the, the scout as the team leader and you do not know any, you don't have a scout, you, know, you don't have a demo, medic, or sniper, then things probably won't go too well for you because those are the three most important classes to the foundation of a, of a team working together well in Highlander. Outside of spy, but usually you can teach your spy in a reasonable amount of time and say the preseason to coordinate those three core classes. So, right. So it's like yeah. just important to have a bit of a core to work your team off of. Before yeah, no, those like, three classes are the most important core to have on your team. So, all right. What are if some? You want to have those as a leader, then things are going to be hard for you. What are some other of the uh, like? What what are some other bits of advice you'd have as a team leader to offer here? Like in general, team leader, um, try to set goals. Try to engage with people as much as possible. Try to give a sense of direction of how you want your team to approach stuff. So, if like you have a if you have a dog shit night of scrims, if you have like what I may call a suicide watch night of scrims, you might want to like evaluate what went wrong the most. You might want to set up times to review. You might want to get mentors for people. You might try to, like, literally compile, like, text and stuff. Sometimes you'll even have to, like, go review stuff on your own because that's the role you have right. to take as the leader. So, so, a lot of it's just about, like, instead of just, like, wanting there to be change, just kind of, like, putting in the effort yeah. and actualizing it. Yeah, you know, and you also have to, like, obviously listen to, like, feedback from as many people as possible on your own team. Right. Uh, when it comes to getting scrims of other teams, you have to figure out the people that are worthwhile, if that makes any sense, if, and figure out the others that are like really dumb and right. are not worth it, you don't get practice. So whether that's you roll them so hard where no one learns and they just troll because it's such a roll, the other team plays really, really goddamn stupid. Uh, I'm not going to name names, but certain people that are probably watching this will know who I'm talking about. They're in my division. Uh uh, so they just play really weird, and no other team plays like them. So, yeah. I've right. noticed that from experience of scrims. So, and Yeah, just making sure that everybody there is trying their best. You know, they're not just, like, playing for themselves. They're helping the team. They're actively wanting yeah. to work together. The goal yeah. of scrims is to, like, improve as a team, obviously. And obviously you want to, like, review your own gameplay. And you want to like, get mentored, you want to like watch demos of your class specifically, because that's a micro thing to improve on. But the macro thing is usually your team playing well as a whole. So like, for example, I'm going to use uh, my scrim last night. Uh, I, I did not do very well on my individual role as the engineer for my team. I failed to watch Connector a lot on product, which is pretty bad. But that wasn't the sole reason why my team lost. That was a contributing factor that was my own mistake. The main issue that my team had was perhaps the inability to decide where they want to play in regards to walking forward on the point and holding the point. That's not necessarily related to me, although my 
bad decision making on my class individually contributed to the overall problem as a team. So right. not always. Sometimes individual mistakes are more important. Sometimes they're less important. It just depends. Depends on the class. Depends on the situation. Like uh, my game crashed in my playoffs match uh, last week. Oh wow! On a Swiftwater defense engineer. That is very bad to crash on. That was kind of a really bad thing individually on my on my class that uh, led to my team losing the hat, for example. So right. stuff like that. But then it's, it's just like, like it's not really something you can control there. Yeah, so that's important not to get yeah, discouraged. Not thrilled about that. I was very sad. I'd imagine, yeah. yeah. Okay. I. What do you sort of look at, look for when like you're looking at players when you're like making a team? Like, are you usually looking at like just their reputation, their name, the if they're a friend or not? Like, what are the sorts of things that you really I think look all for? those can contribute to something? I I think that if you like start. If, it depends usually if you know them and have like experience of them as a former teammate or a friend. Because when you make a team, ideally, you want to have as many set names as possible before you start getting tryouts. Especially, like I said earlier, the three core classes you get. Sometimes that's obviously not the case. Like, what is it? When I when I won advanced season seven, the only Mains we had were me, the doctor, and theoretical spy on spy, and we still won the div. So not always does it apply, but as a general rule of thumb is that if you can try to get as many people as mains as possible um, without having to try out players, just because you know them like personally or as a teammate or like just them as a good player and you have them added, if you can do that, that is usually ideal. Uh, building a team because you have a core set of players that you already are familiar with and have the same set of ideas in mind and they're going to play with each other so uh, do you think that's ever something that ends up being like a double-edged sword to an extent like it prevents you i from think sometimes if someone turns out to like have a terrible mental or if they're just straight up not good you're kind of like saddled to having them so it can be double-edged sword sometimes but you have to have you need to like just have conviction in yourself right. when you decide to give that player the main spot like at the start. Because I'm hoping if you do, you've seen them in action before, whether you're with them, against them, or just watching them. Well, so you should already have an idea of how good X player is. So I feel like it usually ends up mostly being an issue when like teams aren't sure whether they're just gonna be like a friend team or whether they're like trying to win yeah. the div, right? Sometimes there's players on a team like establishment teams like legacy teams that just don't really improve ever and that can definitely be problematic especially if you're friends with them and it's hard to actually cut right. them that but can be very problematic it's so. only really an issue like if you don't have a clear goal right like if you're not yeah. if you're trying to do both if things you want, yeah you need to establish goals obviously as a leader for your team to do well in a given season so right like, uh, and as a player individually you need to have goals for your given season so so, like, what would your goal have been this season? Just, like, fix your... Uh, win advanced. That's, that's my goal this season right now. Hmm, okay. My goal for invite next season is to win a single matching invite. I'm not exaggerating. That is my, my goal for next season, to win a single matching invite. Do you think it could happen? It'll be hard, but I think I can do it. Hmm, okay. Not be easy. 
But yeah, that's my goal is to win a single match and invite next season. You don't want to be Owen, huh? Yes, I do not want to be Owen 14. <laughs> so I would be I already went Owen in invite, I don't want to go Owen again. I so. respect it. Sometimes it's just too much for a man. Sometimes it's like the humiliation is too much to bear. Oh, I, 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 I would agree with that. <laughs> yeah. One t it happening once was too much for me, man. Yeah, welcome. I mean, you can't give up still, even if it happens. Still have to try. Gotta keep grinding. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about mentoring, I believe? That's something that mentoring, you have yeah. interest in, yeah? Yeah, I, I enjoy mentoring both individuals, like, on their class and teams. I think it actually helps you, too, as the mentor, not just the mentee. Uh, it gives you insight to how people play and how ra the rationale is of certain players. So I think it's definitely useful if you're trying to improve your own gameplay and just, like, learn how to play the game better as the mentor. Because it makes you evaluate, like, what the best stuff can be. Right. So, okay. I. Uh, I've usually mentored med. I've done some NG mentoring before, not a lot though. I've mostly done team mentoring. That's what I've been doing. I'm mentoring an IM team right now this season, and I'm looks like I'm going to be mentoring two teams next season: uh, an amateur team and a main team. It's not set in stone yet though, but yeah, I enjoy doing it a lot. Hmm. I like helping other people who care uh, how to make their gameplay the best possible so they can win. And that's what you usually will get out of mentoring if you find the right people to talk to. Uh, I think the main thing is you have to let people know that you, they have to reach out to you. You can't just, they can't just expect you to do everything for them. Right. This is all related to goals, again, is that if you don't have goals as someone who's trying to learn from someone else, like your own class performance, uh, the, the end result of that, like you you winning the season or like you being the quote unquote best on that class and that div stuff like that. You need to get goals to reach there. And you need to like learn the specific stuff that will make your class the best possible. So whether it's like tracking Ubers, uh, what else? Like getting the better heal priority, getting the best position you possibly can, depending on the situation stuff like that. Uh, and you need, if you just set those goals, you'll do a lot better at your class. Right, because it's like, for some classes, there's just like so many things, and it's like, you, if you try and focus on any on everything at once, it's like you won't be able to really dedicate yourself to improving that specific part of it, yeah? Yeah, sure. That makes sense, yeah, I could definitely be, be a bit overwhelming, I think. Yeah. Hmm. What sort of approach do you take to mentoring? Like, what sort of style do you take? Uh, I like, I mean, we usually do map or demo reviews when they ask. Uh, I try to, I try to, when I map review, I try to give them the core ideas of how to play as a team. And, like, if I can add something that's important to their class, I'll talk about it. Uh, for demo reviews, I try to focus on, like, what specifically are the biggest mistakes I see. And I try to be pretty blunt about it, all things considered. Just to get it out there, right? It's like That's, if yeah. you like, it, sometimes it's hard to get the proper tone out of like. Sometimes it'll just like come off as being a jackass if you're too harsh about it, right. about like a mistake you see. So sometimes you have to be careful on that front. Well, 
I'd imagine that comes down to like balancing the amount of like constructive criticism you give versus like the amount of praise you give. Yeah, but then I would also think yeah. like there's no point in like somebody going to ask you for help if you're not honest with them to a certain extent. Yeah, that's true. That's what I think. So if right. I'm like seeing something ridiculous, I'm gonna try and like tell them right. in a pretty like overt tone that you can't do that. That's like the main reason you're doing X. But then really like that. So. It's also important not to like entirely disgorge them, right? To give them some reinforcement along with that, and to maybe present yeah. them with some options or like ways they could sort of change that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah of course. Because it's like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Okay. I definitely do think there's like benefit to just like being a bit more constructive with it. Like a lot of it is the sort of stuff that they might get like blamed in the moment over for their team on a class like pyrometric. But then it could be yeah, really helpful just... to just have somebody like help give you some of the options to actually change it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else you kind of want to like touch on on mentoring? Like anything you think is like that? Some like sometimes people get wrong. Some like the worst sort of thing you could do with mentoring. The best anything like that or not really? Uh, mentoring. I think if people, you need to like find mentees. Or they have to find you that the ones that actually care the most about improving, whether that's teams or individuals, or else it's not going to be worthwhile at all. Because right. I feel like it's not entirely one way. You can definitely learn a lot about yourself and how best to play the game by mentoring. It's not just the other person learning from you. Right. There's definitely stuff you can learn about the game if you mentor. So that that's why I like doing it because I feel like I can, I learn how to play the game the best. And how to approach it the best way when I'm when I'm showing other people right. how to do that. So, what do you see? Like, do you place emphasis on like a, a social side of mentoring of just like being a role model of like just kind of helping person socially develop? With I haven't done that as else? much as I should. I think I'm going to try to next season. Hmm. Uh, my the people I will mentor, or individuals right. and teams. I've, I've not been in, as engaged as I like. But, yeah, I think that's definitely something you can do if you feel like you have the time to. Hmm. It's just try to engage with them and talk to them to make sure that they are able to connect to a higher level of the community. Because I feel like there's a lot of... There's, a, there's like, a taboo of interacting with people regularly that are in, like, a, dip, uh, a big difference in uh, division level. So, like, right. in players, like, can't really talk to, like, main players... Uh, like advanced players can't talk to like I am players, and I feel like it leaves a lot of people out to dry, and it's uh difficult to uh, uh what do you call it uh bridge the gap between the divs, and it's harder for lower level players to be able to improve because they don't know anyone in those higher divs. Huh? Why do you think that is? Like, how does that sort of like artificial social construct come to be? I mean, it makes sense because you're obviously not going to talk to people that you don't have as much stuff in common with. So if you don't play with or against those people, then they're not going to have something as in common with them as much. You're not going to interact okay. with them as much. So if you're like an invite player, you're probably not going to be playing against main players too often unless you like yeah, ring, yeah. play like a dog shit pugs, which you should not play. Uh, like, stuff like that. How so does that taboo like, side of it come to be? Sorry. Hmm? No, like, sorry. How does the taboo sort of aspect of it come to be, though? Like, that kind of makes it sound like there's Just a bit of a stigma to it. weird for a lot of... It's not something you see that often as lower-level players interacting with people on higher div levels because mm. uh, you, just, you don't get as much of a chance to, and it just seems like off to uh, do it, you know? Right, so there's just, like... 
there's a lack of like mutual kind of like means of connection there in a sense, yeah. Yeah, basically. Okay, that makes sense. That explains it a bit better to me. Okay. Not as much mutual exchange there. Hmm? What's up? Not as much mutual interaction. Ah. It's the main thing. Right. Okay. I think that probably about covers it for mentoring. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting thing to talk about. Like, everybody has, like, you know, a little bit of a different idea of it. Some people think the social side's super. Just Basically, interesting yeah. to see what other people think. Uh, yeah. Okay. You're also very passionate about uh, paradox strategy games, right? That's uh, unfortunately, now, those games are a massive waste of time. But I'm very sad and play them. Uh, here's the thing that's good about them is you don't really have to pay attention super hard, so you can like listen to a podcast or a video essay in the background. That's like the main reason why I have so much time in them. So, is that something that kind of depresses you at all, or not really? Like, it's it just like uh, I don't like. I don't like paradoxes, business practices. Uh, I feel like, it, um, depending on the game, it, uh, it's very hit or miss. I, I think I've told you that there, there's like four main, not really main, there's, there's other ones, but like the ones that people know about are like Victoria 2, Hearts of Iron 4, uh, like EU 4, and like it's CK 3 now, right? Yeah, and then Stellaris as well. Oh, yeah, Stellaris, that too. Five. So. I'm real if you have only played three of those. Uh, and only two of them I actually like have put a lot of time into. So hmm. okay. And could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, point four is very hit or miss depending on the uh, on the game. There's a lot of very large mods for it, which is the, probably the biggest plus of it, because the game vanillaized is boring as hell. I'd say. Uh, so depending on the mod, depending on how much it gets updated, you can have a lot of enjoyable content. But for the most part. The game's kind of hit or miss. It gets really repetitive, and a lot of stuff's very surface level because it's 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 supposed to be centered around like World War Two. So outside of stuff related to that, it can be very shallow. Uh, mm. So yeah, what like, I love about hmm? it's gonna say yeah, like it's very built around that particular system, and then it's like it's hard to kind of like create systems to match other environments from the ground up. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, as you're saying, no, I, I yeah, I agree. It's just very service level, I think. Yeah. Victoria 2, on the other hand, that game's very archaic and kind of incomplete, but there, it, there's so much depth in it that I just have to think it's the best uh, Paradox game around. So, they have such a detailed e econ system. Uh, I love the colonization crap. I love the ethnic crap. It's just a lot of stuff that if you're a weird like history nerd like I am, you really like it. So, hmm. yeah. How about uh, Europa? EU4? Uh, I am not a fan of EU4, I'm the real view. Uh, the DLC stuff is a massive grift. I think waging war in that game is awful. I hate it. Uh, very bullshit related, I think. Waging war in it sucks, which is like kind of important for a map game about like the 15th century and beyond. So It right. feels very... I don't like how the tech works. Like It's like like imagine in Hearts of Iron Four, if uh, your your like factories were you had to sacrifice your research points to build military factories. That's basically how it works. It's really right. goddamn stupid. I think it's just like it's there's just not that 
it's weird progressing right like how it's all just in intervals like it's there aren't like many like side things like there's depth to it but there's not very much width for the kind of like yeah, the system right how it works yeah. I, just think that, yeah, I think it's really dumb in how the research system works is that yes it makes sense that in like 15th century uh fucking what do you call it like Europe? spain uh castile uh they were unable to develop the concept of a uh of a church, uh, un- unless they, uh, un- okay, this makes, they can't develop the concept of a, of a church being built to increase tax revenue, whilst also making, uh, the, the tax rate be increased in a local province. It's so stupid. Well, I guess, like, oh. it kind of goes with, like, the empire building theme, just, like, seeing it all kind of expand at the same time, but then that, it's just, like, it just, it standardizes things so much. Like, you have the idea groups, but then, like, there's just, like, you know, a preset kind of meta for those in most cases. Yeah. And then it's like, you can pay that to Victoria to or Hoi for just, like, building out, you know, to really specialize to your own needs and wants. But yeah. I do think with the monarch point system, like, it's it works, like, the best way it could, like, just having that system, but I just... I don't know, it's kind of like what the game is known for, like being an empire ability, you know, just like going to the development screen, spending points, stuff like that, just having it yeah, all rather kind of do, if, I, if I'm empire building, I'd rather just play Victoria too, so, right. my opinion. No, it's definitely fair. I think, like, E4 is the main one where it's just like you'd see blobbing, like it's just like a blobbing game, in, in my opinion, and yeah. if you want something... I, I said it before, but I hate waging war in that game, so... No, I'd agree, yeah, I'd just rather play Hoi 4 for that. And then it's, like, for personal interactions, like, Crusader Kings, I think, is probably, like, the best for, like, modding, per se. Like, for just, for getting into others, like, for total conversions, rather, because of the character system, it allows you to really kind of, like, replicate a lot of what makes, like, X setting unique, yeah? I think, I think Hoi 4 has some pretty good um, total conversion mods, all things considered, though, so... I'd agree, too, but I think, like, the character system is what really helps sell it for Crusader Kings 3, just... yeah. Like, especially for, like, more intrigue-based settings like Game of Thrones, you just don't get the same experience. Yeah, obviously. Like, uh, imagine Palpatine's Gambit in Crusader Kings. That'd be kind of dope, I think. Yeah, but, like, what is it? Old War Blues is probably my favorite, like, yeah. full, full stop, play 4 mod, and that's total conversion. But that's also because I really like New Vegas, so... I just, like... The biggest scrape I have with Europa is that it's hard to do total conversions with how the tech system is. Yeah, it's, it's just very like, annoying. You know, I don't like a tech system. You know, like about it. Star Wars mods and like Hearts of Iron Forts. Like you can research like all these different ships and stuff. Like it's so unique. But then you know, it's like if you tried to do an EU four, just be like, oh, you researched this tech. Here's your ships. It definitely just mm-hmm. doesn't capture it. But I do think it's probably the best for multiplayer. Yeah, I, I can see that. Victoria 2 is sadly really hard to set up on multiplayer. Yeah. So, on I mean, Victoria 2 is great when you can get it, like just with uh, manipulating the economy system. But then it's I like, love the economy system in Victoria. I think the yeah. colonizing and economy system is the funnest thing to do in Victoria 2. Well, I so. like the tech system actually a fair bit. As yeah, well. yeah, the tech's pretty good also. So Yeah, it's definitely just fun. Like It's just like EU4, it's like it can kind of do everything, but it doesn't feel like it really specializes that much to me. Yeah. But I think that does make it the best for multiplayer, probably. Because it's like, you know, it's like 
the diplomacy system actually kind of matters on like just blobbing into factions and in hearts of iron but with yeah. the ai it's just like too cheesy too gimmicky i don't think it's the best in single player yeah, i don't know like i said i play most of these games nowadays because i need something to play or like do when i'm listening to a podcast so <laughs> how do you feel about like tf2 players doing uh paradox pugs i think that would be terrible uh, Why is that? Like, I remember, I remember playing Civ Five Pugs, uh, like way back, like three years ago. And what and happened? It, was, it wasn't that great. Why uh, not? Yeah. People didn't really, people didn't really know how to go to war. Uh, they're kind of noobs at it. But also, I well, uh, maybe you can mentor them. You know, you got to mentor them. them. Civ Five, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It could, I feel like it could be fun with Paradox games, just due to like how the diplomacy systems kind of are. Yeah, it could work well. I don't know. We we should uh, hit the lab on it. Hit the lab. Hit the. How many people own like Hoi Four? Actually, a lot. A lot of TF Two players, like especially the Europeans. I'm gonna be real. Euros with you. too, I don't really know. I, I know like one or I know like two or three NA players who play that game. Yeah, besides, like you and me. So it's madly popular in Europe. I do actually. So that could be something I mean, interesting. Look, actually, my friends list of people who play Hearts of Mine. I group. have 20, 31 players on my friends list who play it. So and that next... could be something. But I yeah. think the other thing you have to look at, like Paradox games, you get shafted by the connection so hard as well. Like, there's a joke about how long the games take to go because the networks like just slow down every second. You know what I mean? Like the lag in multiplayer is crazy. Yeah, I think... Paradox multiplayer is, um, eh. Yeah, but, uh, you know... Game single player most of the time. This is a uh, PSA, they'll reach out to us if we, if you want to uh, do some Paradox pugs. Hit me up! <laughs> sure, I'm bored, yeah, let's get some Paradox pugs. Yeah, let's make a server for it after this, fuck it. We ballin'. But anyways, uh, okay, anything else you kind of, like, want to talk about Paradox-wise? Like, do you want to go on more about Victoria, your passion for that, anything Victoria like that? Victoria is a very good game. Uh, the economy system is great. I love colonizing stuff. I like having really cursed, like, borders. It's funny. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Poi 2 or Darkest Hour? Never played those, so... Oh. I mean, Dark Darkest Hour looks better, though. Oh, I thought you said, like, Hoi 2. I guess, like, you just meant, like, Hearts of Iron as well. Uh, I said Victoria 2, I'm pretty sure. Ah, uh, doesn't matter. Oh, uh, yeah, you said Hoi 2. I'm um, like, <laughs> damn, this guy is ancient. But, uh, yeah, Victoria's great. Yeah, it's just, man. like, yeah. I, I, I really hope Victoria 3 isn't awful. The map looks very suspicious, though. Yeah, so. I've heard some sus things about it, of how, like, they, they've simplified the war system. I don't know, it's... it's Yeah, like, the war... I don't know, like, Victoria 2 is very archaic, but that's what I liked about it. If they make it, like, really lame and simple, I'm gonna be very disappointed, but Paradox yeah. is known for being lousy, so I wouldn't well, be surprised. I think, like... The sentiment I've heard is that Paradox has just kind of shifted, like, their priorities on game design. Like, people, like, I think... I think CK3 actually is, like, the reception, but I think it's, like... Initially, there's a lot of criticism about just, like, it being kind of different on a fundamental level to an extent. Or at least, like, at the very least, I think I heard some of that, but I think especially you see that, like... That's what, when I'm looking at the comment sections, I'm seeing a lot of that when it comes to Victoria 3. People are just, like, you know, it's... Paradox just doesn't make it the same way anymore. Stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. They're trying to simplify. Victoria, of all games, is not what I want to be simplified. Cause I, I think it being like, really weird and complex is the best thing about it. Right. And 
I would definitely agree, yeah, there's, like, a lot of charm to it, like, just of it taking all that time, because it's, like, the thing with, the nasty thing with, like, curse, like Hearts of Iron especially, is that it's so formulaic and single-player to an extent, because yeah, it's just, like... True. AI is really dumb. Right, but then even in multiplayer, like, unless you have people who are playing to have fun, you know, you have your meta templates, your meta divisions, and techs, uh, and it's just, yeah. like, because of how, like, kind of simple the systems are, like, it's just hard to have it be that consistently enjoyable unless you have people that make it special. Yeah, it's true. Like, Dadas, you know, it's like Hearts of Iron 4, you just, like, set up your assembly lines, you set up your techs, it's literally factory line types, like, every time you start a game. Yeah. Formulaic as fuck. But then Victoria 2, it's like, there's so much more going into it, yeah. But I don't think we're seeing that. Yeah. I don't know, lazy developers. I think you have to, like, port for Victoria 2 multiplayer though, right? Yeah, it's really annoying if you do that. I don't know, you like, get on that shit, we'll play it together. <laughs> we do, yeah, let's go destroy, uh, no, X country. Flood economies. We will, we will defeat China in the past. Yeah, basically. <laughs> we will ruin yeah. their economy. Like, what is it? Ad doesn't matter. Yeah, I think yeah. that's about it. That's so. fair. I, I de- definitely a bit of an interesting discussion, though. You don't really, like... Not really a topic that's uh, been covered at all in uh, the previous interviews. So uh, yeah, it's a very weird subject. I, so. I love it though. You know, it's it's great just going on these random like tangents with the people who have explained their passions. Uh, I believe next would be uh, the Rising Storm. Yeah, RS two. That game is great. Yeah. I wish uh, it wasn't dead. Uh, I, when I when I stopped playing TF two a bit after season eight, I basically played RS two instead for a year. That game is amazing. Uh, so it's basically a milsim. It's like Arma or Squad, but uh, what do you have in it? Yeah, it's like Arma or Squad, but it's in Vietnam, and I I like Vietnam a lot. I think it's really fun. Uh, hmm. Not really fun, but like interesting, I guess I'll say. Uh, it's, it's very fun to have a a military simulator in. I think. What makes it so special is it just like the setting and the asymmetry. Uh, the asymmetry is pretty good. It's it's uh. I like the the gun. I like a lot of the tech, the guns, the helicopters. Uh, I think it's a very unique. I, I like the, the environment. I like the jungle environment. I, I also like how it can shift to like urban environments too. It's not just always in the jungle. Right. It's, yeah. So I think the main reason why I like it in the video game is it's the asymmetry is something you don't see that often. It's really the only conflict you can have it work effectively in. I think in like a. a a military simulated FPS. Uh, the guns are really not cool. Uh, yeah, and I like the jungle theme, so that's the main reason why I think it's a pretty good uh, war to have as a military simulation video right. game. So, uh, yeah. Does the asymmetry? Do you think that the asymmetry has like a certain appeal to TF2 players just due to how like relatively unique TF2's gameplay is as well? Like, oh, I don't think it's really like. I don't think it's, it's because of TF2, because TF2 is not really asymmetric. In the right, sense but just that, like uh, the uniqueness, like, right? I get because it's unique, but asymmetry is that like the two teams play very differently, which like, that like applies in some ways to like stopwatch, but like for the uh, most part, like the classes and like their hits are the same. So no, like I, I get that. I just mean in the sense of like you know, it's like people have a hard time going from TF2 to other games. Do you think there's like 
an appeal of the uniqueness of asymmetric games to an extent, like as an option, like natural yeah, selection too. So. That's why I was it, trying to get it. Does at. not play like I mean, there's classes in it, but outside of that, it's not right. really similar to TF2. So right, like not similar to TF2 in that sense, but just due to kind of like the more unique nature of gameplay. Yeah, compared to just like other FPS games, I don't know. Yeah, I think that compared to other more mainstream FPS games, I think because it's like a smaller, weirder game. If that makes any sense in that right. way, it's able to appeal more. That makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. A friend of mine told me to play it, and I bought it because it was on sale, and uh, I've been playing a lot since, so that's like the main reason why. Right, but you said it was uh, kind of dead, yeah? I mean, you can almost always find a full server still, and like at peak hours, it's usually like at least 10 full servers, so. Right. And it's 32v32 also, so it's not small. Yeah, there's. it's not really dead, because you can always find a full server to play on, but it, it just feels a very small scale compared to tf2 no one like knows what it is hmm. and why do you think that would be just like due to how many people you need to really get it going yeah i think that i think 32 v 32 is a lot of people obviously uh all right and yeah and uh, also the devs don't care about it so all right i will be back in one second i am going to grab some food that just got prepared i will be back if you want to talk about like other games or just ramp on something for a little bit you can okay uh, I guess I'll go back to RS2. So, yeah, it's it's a middle sim. It's like it's kind of like Squad or Arma Three, not entirely though. Uh, the VC or the North Vietnamese and the South Vietnamese are basically like the two poor factions in it. Uh, there's like multiple different nations. Like on the South, you got the uh, the Aussies, you got the South Vietnamese, and obviously you have the Americans. Uh, they, they have the Army and the Marine Corps though, so there's like different variations of weapons there. Uh, depends on the map. The North's kind of lame. They just had the Viet Cong and the, the like North Vietnamese Army, the professional army of uh, North Vietnam. They have like different abilities. Uh, like what is it called? Uh, the Americans have a lot of tech, as in like aircraft and bombs to use as their abilities. Because you have a commander in each team, and. Uh, Basically, the uh, commander for the Americans. I played a lot of commander in that game, by the way. Uh, you have napalm, obviously. You have artillery. Everyone has artillery, though. But the Americans have the best artillery. Uh, it's like airburst. Uh, and my my favorite thing in that game is the uh, AC forty seven flying gunship. That is my favorite ability in the game, and only the Americans have that. Uh, no other faction has it. I fucking love that thing. It's amazing. Uh, I I'm back. Sorry about that. Now you're chill. I'm I'm ranting about RS2 right now. Uh, yeah. So. Normally it's just like I would pause the video, you know, take a break. Yeah. But my power supply, uh, like it's kind of busted and it crashes my computer when I try and render videos. Yeah. So it's like I have to do it in one takes. But uh, yeah, it's fine. So yeah, RS2. Uh, the abilities are probably the best thing. The Aussies have a just a bombing run. Uh, the South Vietnamese are impoverished, but they also have the flying gunship. So wait, there's uh, like sub-factions kind of for each side? Like there's sub-factions, yeah, there's... So like if you're playing as the South Vietnamese, you have the Americans, obviously, you have the Australians, uh, and the the Americans, they have the Army and the Marines, which are like, they have different weapons, uh, the Marines usually have the shittier weapons, uh, mm. and there's the actual, like, South Vietnamese Army, uh, and then there's, you have the North Vietnamese Army and the Viet Cong to the North, so... Mm. What do the Marines kind of get, like, in place of having worse weaponry? Um, 
they don't always have worse weaponry, actually. It depends on what stage of the war you're in. It's, it's like, weird in how it plays. Oh, really? Like, different stages of the war have, like, different equipment sets? Um, it's if you play the campaign mode. Not everyone plays campaign, oh, cool. but when I played it... Yeah, but there's a campaign in it that's from, like, 1965 to 1975. It's really cool. Uh, and it basically goes from... And, like, there's three stages of the war. There's early war, there's mid-war, there's late war. And the guns uh, and, like, factions change depending on the war, on, like, the stage of the war. So, early war, uh, and also the abilities. So, like, early war, the Americans uh, don't get the gunship, which makes me very sad. They have worse guns. Uh, so do the North Vietnamese. The Viet Cong don't get AK-47s until mid-war, so early war they have to use like the SKS-45 as their main rifle. Uh, late war, the only factions you can play as on the south side are the South Vietnamese Army. You can't play as the Americans or the Australians. But they have mm. they have 30-round uh, M16 magazines, so they're kind of crazy. Oh, nice. I do don't actually get have Rising Storm too, so uh, maybe we could play it sometime. Maybe we could get some TF2 Rising Storm pugs. I'll, I'll fucking know. Thirty-two be thirty-two. Yeah, TF2 players. We'll get like off, the but... entirety of advanced or invite to do it. Like we'll just get like Basically, the entire. Basically, you need all of, like invite to to play that. It would be crazy though. Yeah. It's a game I'm actually good at. But uh, I don't know. Like you know, maybe we could get a squad of people going. Like and just maybe, get like, some service. six people probably. That's actually kind of something interesting, like that I could try and do with these. Like maybe just see if I could get some people to get interested in X niche game, you know, get some multiplayer stuff going. That'd be neat. Yeah. Uh but anyways, okay. Um Anything else you'd really like want to talk about game or Rising Storm 2 wise? If not, I do think there's like one final sort of question line that I'd have in mind. Nah, we can move on to the next uh All right. subject. Fine. All right. So the last one would be a bit on uh, caffeine, yeah. Oh yeah, that, I, I mentioned that a bit earlier. Uh, I probably have too much, but at this point I've had such a caffeine resistance, like tolerance, that doesn't really matter. Uh, in respect to like TF2, I think if you have an official, it can be very helpful, especially if you know that official is going to take a very long time. Like for example, uh, in my official last week, it was four hours long. It ended at 1.30 a.m. at EST. I'm West Coast, so that's not like... It's, it ends oh, at wow. 10.30, which is like not that outrageous. But if I was on the East Coast, playing TF2 until 1.30 in the morning on a weeknight would not be fun. So that's where uh, I would... It would be very beneficial, I think. Right. Have uh, caffeine intake. I think coffee is the best. I don't really like energy drinks. Uh, what, what sort of strength coffee do you usually have? Strength? Yeah, is it like generic brand, you know, probably like, I don't know, 200 something milligrams for 12 ounce? Like, or is it something stronger? Do you have like a specific sort of routine that you have with it? I usually grind it and then put it in the pot. I really need a specific routine. I usually have like cream sugar in it, but. What brand do? Of what? Coffee? Coffee? Yeah. Like the Jose's crap my mom buys at Costco. I'd have to try. Ah, okay, so just like. That makes crazy, sense. Crazy, you know, it's like vanilla. It's like vanilla flavored. It's crazy. It goes hard. Very good. I have a Infalchewy Trust mug. It was very important that I bought this. So That's fair. I usually either do donut shop, just like plain coffee with French vanilla, or I do oh. death wish with French vanilla. Use a Keurig? Yeah. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. That shit is awful. Why is that? Just tastes like garbage. Right? Oh. I, what was that? Am I a... Uh... 
when I was uh, visiting my, my father in Hawaii last year, like December of last year, they had a Keurig instead of an actual like thing of coffee. It was trash. Are you sure it wasn't just brand diff? No, they used the donut shop stuff. That's why I recognized oh, it. Damn. Oh, damn. See, that like, crap's just garbage compared to actual like normal coffee. Damn, getting coffee diffed. I'd rather just have instant coffee at that point, bro. Instant coffee's actually better than Keurig's. What is instant coffee? It's like the crystallized stuff that if you put in hot water, it's like... Oh, okay. Interesting. I don't know, I normally just like put a, a lot of French vanilla in, so like it still ends up tasting pretty damn good. Gamer? Yeah. Well, yeah, but I do that too, but I don't know. I, I think I think creamer is usually pretty bad, but I'm sad and still have it. That's fair. What type of creamer in specific? You buy the shit at the store that's the cheapest, usually. I get some from uh, Aldi, I believe it is. Oh, uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Aldi, Aldi's fine, but I don't yeah. always go to Aldi. Uh, Aldi's pretty good in general if you need to get a bunch of food and like you hmm. don't want to spend that much money. Uh, it's definitely right. a good option for me. If so I had. What? Oh, no, carry on. If I was more serious, probably, about, like, uh, working out and doing shit at the gym, then I would probably go to Aldi on a weekly basis to get food I need, but I'm not that serious right now. All right. So. so you said it's something that you would, like, do for matches? Um, yeah. If I have an official, I will usually have, like, a, I'll usually make, like, half a pot before, mm. like, an hour before and just, like, have two cups out of that. Right. How about scrims? So, if I feel like it during a scrim, I'll do it. Not right. always, though. But like, so it's like to. Uh, something that's important to consider outside of coffee or not coffee, caffeine mm -hmm. uh, for TF2 is sugar, which I know sounds weird, but if you're playing, if you're like you're doing intense gaming for like three to four hours or something, the sugar is actually really important to make sure you don't get tired. So I'd highly recommend people that are listening to this, if you have an official, especially if it's like if you're in playoffs right now and you have an official in a given time, get like a candy bar, or get like a bag of Skittles or something. It's actually very useful to have that munch on like during your official. Right. Uh, normally, I think like having a ton of sugar is really bad for you, but for intense gaming, it's actually pretty useful, I think. So, okay. Uh, uh shout out to my sniper Buko. He's the one who told me to do that. So. What sort of effect do you feel like it has on you, like, mechanically speaking? I don't get as tired. I can focus more. Do you, I've like... I've heard... I've, I've, um, what is it? Hmm? I just don't have to, like, get up as much often uh, to, like... It keeps you more focused, I've noticed. Right. You uh, really get... Do you find it, yourself... Like, it gives you bursts of energy, which is what you kind of need when you're doing intense gaming, so... Do you find, like, you general or much, uh, anything like that much, or not really? Hmm? That you like jitter more, that you're like shaky or more anxious, or anything. Not like really. That, that's, not really. I re that's not something I. That's not something I notice. Hmm, okay. I'm not really paying attention to that. So. How about like mentally speaking? Like, do you end up feeling like more aggressive, hostile to your team and all anything? Like no, that? not not when I have sugar. Hmm. How about caffeine as well? I haven't noticed that I have caffeine either. I have a really insane caffeine tolerance, like I said. So well, like, I can have like a right. cup of coffee, like two of them, like three hours before I go to sleep and I'm fine. So, so what's the lay coffee lore? Like what led to you getting so tolerant for it? I had it a lot during COVID. Ah, during COVID. I... Yeah. Did you have like a specific reason for it? Like did it just make things more enjoyable? Um, it, it's, it's nice to have in the morning. Uh, we always had it in the house. Hmm. So, okay. Yeah. And it was just like one of those little like daily routine things that kind of kept. It was daily routine for me. I always do it, and I get up and do shit in the morning. So, 
Yeah, it just like keeps things a little bit more comfortable, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, like just that consistency I think is really important when you have a lot of uncertainty like around the time of COVID. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay. I think that's about all I'd have to ask on that. I def, I definitely enjoy like getting into the specifics of it a bit more. You know, like that was pretty fun to do. Just asking like about the sorts of impacts and rituals. It's really interesting stuff to hear, and I think it's yeah. kind of cool to just hear about what other people do. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's about all I'd have to ask on right. coffee in specific. Yeah. Yeah. If it's related to officials, uh, I'd say hit hit fifteen minutes of like high tower harvest also. So. All right. Not MGE. I mean, you can. I, I, I like playing like Harvester Eye Tower, though. Hmm. And I guess, uh, do you think like on like more DM based or like different classes, like projectiles or something, like what do you see caffeine having like a different effect on you or not really? No, I haven't really noticed. Right. And I, I'm, okay. I'm, I feel like, I don't know, I've only really done this like the past season and I'm on a class right. that's not that intense most of the time. So. And then it's like, you have a lot of tolerance as well. That definitely makes sense. If I was playing Medic, I'd probably, I'd probably notice it more because that's a class where I'm a lot more, let's just say, passionate on than Engineer. So, In a good or a bad way, notice why. Depends. Hmm. Sometimes I can like LARP as the commander and it's helpful to my team, but other times I just get really angry. So, depends. Hmm. Right, okay. Do you think it could potentially like affect your decision making and positioning as well? Like, no, do I don't f- think. It's, I think I'll. I don't think it's something that will affect me that way. It'll just make me more focused hmm. and be okay. able to like go on for longer without having to take a break in some way. Alright, cool to hear. Cool to hear. Uh, are there any other sorts of things you'd want to talk about, or do you think that's probably about it for this? Yeah, I think that's about it. I've been here for a while. Uh, ah, that's fair. Uh, I will not keep you any longer. Then thank you for your time. Or it's, all right, well.